Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Blue and Gold, a Superman and Booster Gold podcast. I'm your host, Danny. And this time out, I am going to be talking about the Trial of Superman storyline from 1997. And I'm going to be talking about Booster Gold issues, volume one, issues seven and eight. First, though, I hope everybody's doing well out there. We're officially into fall. October. It's October here. Episode is getting out a few days later than I wanted, but so is life. So is life. Uh, we're excited. We're actually going on a trip at the end of this week. We are. It's a. We're. It's a little risky, but it's been it's been planned for over a year, and safety protocols are there. But we are going as a family to Disney World at the end of the week, so that should be fun. Although masks, it's going to be um. Uh, all mass all the time affair which is good safety first but it'll be interesting spending the entire day in mass i haven't done that my kids have to do that they go to school in person and they have to wear their masks all day i mean they're able to take them out off while they eat and whatnot but it'll be the first for me to wear a mask for that l- length of time so if you're listening to this in the far future obviously Obviously, if you're listening now, you know what's going on. But I mean, if, if you're years from now, this, we're talking about the coronavirus, wearing the masks. Because one thing about podcasts, if, if, if any of you out there are like me, you'll discover a new podcast and you'll go back and who knows, like you, you'll go back to early episodes. You might discover this years down the road and you go back and listen to early episodes. So it's funny. I've earlier this year I was listening to podcasts that were 2008 2009 it's, it's funny to go back that far and listen because you know you're getting old when those when you know 10 11 years doesn't feel that far that that long ago but yet it does but it doesn't so that's what's new with us Disney World other than that it's just fall and football the Detroit Lions are sucking it up like usual I made the joke that if, if there was ever going to be a year that the Detroit Lions were going to play well, it was going to be this year because this is COVID year. Whatever teams do well in any sport, but whatever teams in the NFL, which is the sport I primarily follow, it's always it's always going to be a year with an asterisk on it um, because it's, it's going to be the COVID year. It's going to be the year things weren't the, the, the norm. Crowds weren't there. You didn't have the 12th man really playing a... A role for those of you who aren't familiar, the twelfth man is what they call the crowd noise when at a football stadium you can actually affect gameplay if you can get loud enough and make things make the other team not do as well when they have the ball, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So of course it's funny. One of the funniest memes I or one of the funniest things I saw is during the first the uh, first Lions loss, I believe it was um, the the Detroit Free Press uh, tweeted out Finally, it's starting to feel like 2020 again. <laughs> Made me laugh just because 2020 has been such a weird year that, you know, when we get back to the, the, the Detroit Lions losing, you know, it makes it feel normal for us. <laughs> um, although they just lost yesterday. They won last week against the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> so, all right. I know you guys didn't come here for Detroit Lions talk. Um, so let's let's dive into it. But before we do, another side uh, track for me is I want to do a little bit of an addendum to the episode I put out um, a couple months ago, Christopher Reeve at the movies, because believe it or not, I already had 
what was it, five times that I've seen Superman movies on the big screen. But in just the time since I released that episode, I have two more to add to the list. Who would have thought it? I have two more, and I've only seen, you know, uh, it's so that puts the lifetime up to like seven times seeing Christopher Reeve at the movies. Um, so if you haven't listened to it, go check out my Christopher Reeve at the movies. I talk about the times I've seen the Superman movies on the big screen, spending my entire childhood and adolescence and, you know, all the way up until I was basically an adult thinking that I'd never see those movies. I missed my chance. You know, the last one came out in 1987. So what are the odds of seeing uh, movies that are that old? But lo and behold, it happened. And this summer, or this year, it's happened three times. I've seen... So I talked in the episode about seeing Superman the movie at the drive-in, but I've seen it. I have seen Superman movies two more times at the drive-in this year since that episode came out, and part of it is thanks to Jay Towers. So if you're if you don't know, if you don't, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, there's a fairly good chance that you're familiar with Caped Wonder, the website. If you're not, check it out. Caped Wonder, tons of. Primarily, the biggest resource there is uh, photos from the production of Superman the Movie. It's run by Jim Bowers. He's a super fan of Superman the Movie. And he is a really good friend with Jay Towers, who... It's funny because he's actually fairly... He's locally famous in the area around uh, the Michigan area because he's on the local morning news and hosts... A local radio show um so he's he's a radio dj and a news anchor not not like the nighttime news but like the the morning the morning news but he's also one of the biggest superman fans and these two have teamed up for a podcast the caped wonder superman podcast and they cover all things superman uh christopher reeve related most episodes are focused on some aspect of Superman the movie, but some, they've been diving into a little bit more of other episodes. The most recent episode was on giving Superman 4 some love. But because we have such a big uh, celebrity who has some pull, uh, with he was able to get one of the local Imagine theaters, the, um, the Imagine chain, Imagine with an E, Imagine... Uh, they, the local, the one that's closest to us, I think it's pretty common, but at least I know for certain the one closest to us, they converted their parking lot into a drive-in movie theater and they put a humongous IMAX size screen on the outside of their building and they project it and you drive up. And so you're just, you uh, hang out in the Imagine uh, Novi, the Imagine Novi, give them a shout out, but the Imagine Theater parking lot and this was really cool so this was i think august 6th or 7th somewhere around there was or actually it was probably it might have been july i think the next movie i'm going to talk about in a second was august i've i'm already losing the time frame but it was it was within the last couple months but they showed superman the movie it was pretty it was really cool seeing it I, the first time i saw it in the drive in if you listen to the past episode Christopher Reeve at the movies. I saw that at the drive-in earlier this summer by myself, and you can hear the story there. But this was fun. I had my kids, my wife, my brother-in-law, and it was really fun. It was really special time. It's always special to see Superman in the movie, but to share it with my family as well, especially my kids. 
my son is a big fan. It's I love that my son here in 2020, seven years old, is really really familiar with Superman the movie and enjoys watching it. I I enjoyed watching it when I was his age, but I one thing I've learned as a parent is you can't force your loves on your children. They like what they like, and if they happen to like what you like, well, that's all the better, something to bond over, but you can also bond over their interests and things that they like to do. And One thing I, I've learned as a parent, it's especially in the on-demand age of TV. We live in Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime, where most of the content we consume is not the way it was when we were kids, where it was... You turn on the TV and you find what's on and you're given the content. Now we have to seek out our own content. We, I mean, it's still primarily through what's provided to us on Netflix. It's, you know, what's available to watch on Netflix, what's available to watch on Hulu and things like that. But we're still sort of seeking it out. We're, we're pushing the play button. We're selecting what to watch. We're browsing. We're selecting and we're making those decisions. And so we always have to balance what making sure our kids want to watch what they, they, they get to watch their own things. And, but we also introduce them to a lot of things that we were fans of because it's on demand, it's easy to watch. And so obviously, uh, obviously my kids have seen Superman, the movie. And, but what's awesome is they're not bored by it. And well, at least my son, my five-year-old daughter, just about five, eh, she likes it, but she also fell asleep at the drive-in, but it's a drive-in. The movie doesn't even start until it gets dark, which Superman, the movie, was right in the middle of summer. Um, And so it didn't get dark until later. So she fell asleep. She might have fallen asleep anyways, but she fell asleep. But it was just an amazing time seeing it it on the big screen again in a drive-in fashion. And this time it was interesting because we didn't use our own audio. We were close enough to where they were projecting it, that they were using a giant speaker. So we had our own audio, but it actually sounded a little bit better coming from where they were projecting it. So we turned off our FM transmitter and and just went with the speakers, and that worked out really well. That was really really fun time. Got to have my favorite pop. I am not sure if I've mentioned it on this show, but I cannot s- express how much I love the if you're familiar with the coke freestyle machines these are the machines that you'll see sometimes i know wendy's has them firehouse subs has them very um the imagine theater chain has them for their drinks for fountain drinks it's it's a a little bit more upscale fountain drink option where you can select and you can select up to like a hundred and some flavors really what it is is like there's you know the 20 or so base flavors coke mellow yellow Fanta, things like that. The base flavors, maybe what, 15 of those. But then they have all the sub flavors that you can get that add out, like, uh, you know, you can get uh, uh, grape, grape Mountain Dew or whatever. You know, they had the add ins. But my favorite, I fell in love with Mellow Yellow Zero or Peach Mellow Yellow Zero. And I'll tell you, that machine is the only place you're going to find Peach Mellow Yellow Zero. I mean, it it also has the regular mellow yellow, but I try to go, I try to save some calories and go for the the zero calorie option. But peach mellow yellow, oh my god, I love that pop so much. So, part of it, part of the fun was just watching Superman the movie with my favorite, my, my favorite, my favorite beverage. I'm a, I'm, I'm a pop drinker. Some could say addicted. I don't know, but I love me some peach mellow yellow zero, peach mellow yellow zero. <laughs> 
it's a mouthful to say that. And then, so I thought, okay, you know, my, my luck was awesome, has been awesome this summer. I've seen Superman the movie twice at the drive-in. Then a few weeks later, after that, this was early September, they announced that Superman 2 was going to be at the Imagine Novi drive-in. And this was awesome. Again, hosted by Jay Towers. Oh, I want to give a shout-out. I, I want to go back to Superman the movie. Um, they gave away Superman masks. And my wife, they're, they're super thin, though. So my wife um, added an extra layer of protection. So you actually are protecting yourself because they were so thin. They probably weren't providing barely any protection. But we got, they handed out su- Superman masks for free. And we got a really cool Superman... Uh, the movie mini poster that was really that was designed by um, Caped Wonder Jim Bowers and Jay Towers and was given out for free at the movie and shout out because that was super awesome. And so a couple weeks later, after that, they announced Superman two, and was going to be shown and there was going to be some giveaways. Some this time there was two different Superman um, two movie posters. One was of the, uh, they were the mini, there are mini posters, but they gave away the Superman, um, just the villain shot that I've seen as a promo image before, and then the uh, Superman flying towards the villains while the three villains are also flying at him, and that was awesome. I kept the, I gave my brother-in-law the, one of the posters because, I'm not sure if I mentioned this, but when I saw, when they showed Superman 2, Previously, last year, and I, you can hear the story on uh, the Christopher Reeve uh, at the movies episode again. Uh, give that episode a plug. But they also gave these mini posters away, sort of, sort of what Jim Bowers and Jay Towers like to do when they put on these events, and they're really cool. I pin them up, or not pin them actually. I use some double-sided tape and put them up in my comic room that has my the my wife and I's short boxes and everything which we just converted to the um if you haven't seen them put out by the BCW just google them but BCW comic company and they they have short boxes and long boxes to buy but they have a bunch they had this product that's um uh housing so you can slide your short boxes into the housing and then stack those and I think you can stack up to four high and you can pull each one out individually in the, even if it's in the middle because of it's in, it's inside this housing. It's really cool. No more moving boxes to get to the short box underneath. Uh, that's all gone. I mean, we don't have tons anyways. I did a count actually earlier today. I have 21 short boxes, but a number of those, probably five or six are not even full. They're just um, where we have room to put the comics because we try to organize. And so the, the DC comics that are non Superman, cause that's how I sort of, I organize my comics. I have Superman and I organize those a certain way. I mean, maybe I'll go through that in a future episode, but I have the Superman comics that I organize, but then I have DC, every, which is everything else. And so I have some, some space that way I can keep adding as the collection grows. But these, these houses are really cool because you can stack them and because it's really annoying to try to i mean first world problems right but it's annoying to have to move a couple of boxes sitting to get to the box that's on the bottom 
which is actually where my booster gold was, was on the bottom of this stack. So I always, which, why I didn't move it to the top, I don't know, but I was constantly moving the two or three boxes that were on top, long, short, short boxes that were on top of the booster gold. But I put those posters in the comic room, and they look great. And the movie was awesome. It was the sort of weird cut. It was not the full theatrical. It was not the uh, Donner cut. It was sort of a hybrid. It had um, some added scenes, which probably I've learned. I've learned that they were probably pulled from the voodoo the service, the VUDU uh, source of the of the Donner Cut, which actually listening another shout out to him, listening to the Caped Wonder podcast, I got um, I just recently learned that the version of the Richard Donner Cut that's on Voodoo is actually like six minutes longer with some luster footage, and that's probably where some of this footage came from. But it was the same cut that I talked about on the previous episode. So it's it's funny because it feels like watch if for me who's super familiar with both the Donner cut and the Lester cut it feels like watching somebody's somebody's uh, home cut on the big screen and even had some of the deleted scenes at the end which is where I think they work really well the uh, Lex Luthor um, escaping from prison with the uh, the car mannequin and he drives over the fake legs which I always thought is a great uh, great. Uh, sort of uh, stinger at the end of the movie. I even tried to do my own fan edit probably back 2007, not too long after the Donner cut came out, my own fan edit as everyone was doing around that time to create my favorite cut of Superman two. I, I just, I just abandoned that and I go with what's, what's on the, um, just what's on the Blu-rays is what I go for, but that's what was shown. And nobody but me knew the wiser for these, for the added scenes. We got non throwing, um, throwing the, uh, the the light, the cop car light, the police car light to kill the, kill the boy. Um, nobody's going to notice uh, that those are added. My brother-in-law saw Superman. That was his first time seeing Superman 2 ever. And he had just went with us to see Superman the movie just a few weeks earlier. And he said that he likes Superman 2 better. So it sort of fits in with what I hear that a lot of fans like Superman 2 better, which I just don't get. I think Superman the movie is way better than Superman 2. I understand, and maybe I'll do an episode. I already did an episode. I mean, obviously, this is coming from the guy who has already done an episode that Superman 3 is better than Superman 2. I, uh, it's not surprising that I disagree with people who think Superman 2 is better than Superman the movie. But it's funny because my wife was ex- thinking, and we've been married for going on like 13 and a half years and she's still surprised when I said that obviously I wanted to go see Superman the movie or Superman 2 at the drive-in theater obviously I wanted to see that but she was surprised that I said it was fairly it was a lot lower on my favorite movies list than she would think Superman the movie is tops one number one with a bullet it's my favorite movie of all time Superman 2 probably isn't even in the top 30 you know, when you factor in the, the Star Wars movies, Indiana Jones, Godfathers, Apocalypse Now is like Back to the Futures. Uh, when you factor in, I mean, Superman 2 is down on the list, but it's still it's part of the franchise. It, I still love it, but it's, you know, it would be interesting for me to rank where I thought it fell. But I'm going to guess still probably top 50, but lower on the top 50 of my all time favorite movies. Um where Superman one is, is right there. Number tops 
It's I'm biased. It's always going to be tops. There's never, and that's when you know that you are sort of getting older. I mean, I mean, it happens. I mean, I've known it my entire life, but there is not going to be a movie that's going that I'm going to enjoy more than Superman the movie. There might be a movie that I enjoy in the moment more, but there's no movie I'm going to come back to time and time again. There's no movie that's going to have that part of my heart that Superman the movie has. It's 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 there. It's got the nostalgia, the childhood factor. Plus, I think it's still expertly made. There's things that I notice the more I, the older I get that I'm like, yeah, the miniatures as you're coming in, the miniatures as you're coming in um, at, uh, after the opening credits, and you're coming into Krypton, and you're going and you're seeing the dome and the miniature Krypton, you know, as I get older, I'm like, yeah, you can kind of tell that's miniature, but I wonder if, you know, my, my brother-in-law, he's six years older than I am. He's in his forties. I wonder how, what, what he thought he, he probably didn't even think that I've only me who's, you know, not only me, but only us fans who've watched this movie hundreds and hundreds of times, you know, we start to see these things and we notice them and, you know, you got the, uh, the wrinkle in the curtain during Krypton exploding, which I, if there's, there's barely anything that I would want them to fix, but please, WB, if you ever if you release this movie again, never, you know, an 8K version or whatever, uh, 4K re-release, whatever it is, can we get those wrinkles fixed, please? There's barely anything else I'd ask. Um, for for nostalgia factor, I kind of want the. It's funny. It looks better with the blue suit flying towards the Hoover Dam towards the end of the movie. But I gotta tell you, I still think the the off green is where my heart lies. It's the VHS from when I was a kid, and I swear that the um, the extended edition that was released by Warner Archives a little while ago, or actually it's like three years ago now, but I think that that still has the the tealish green costume. So that was my the the addendum to my Christopher Reeve at the movies episode. So let's get to the meat of this episode. Twenty two minutes in, <laughs> um, I want to talk about the trial of Superman. So shout out plug if any of you listen to me, also listen to any of the the um, Fortress of Bailey to Michael Bailey podcast from Crisis to Crisis. Well, this is definitely coming off of the heels of them. It was they were the impetus for this episode because they were covering the trial of Superman. And I have I don't listen to every episode of From Crisis to Crisis. I bounce around when there's a storyline I want to listen to. And they're starting to release episodes Michael Bailey and Jeff Taylor, Jeffrey Taylor. Um, and definitely check out from crisis to crisis for it's what it says. It's po it's following, um, chronological order, post crisis, Superman, all the way up through infinite crisis issue by issue. And I like, I like following along when it's a storyline that I'm really interested in. And trial of Superman was one that I hadn't read in years and years. I mean, I think I've, I've read it since it came out because I have the trade paperback, which I'm going to talk about more in a minute, but I have the trade paperback, so I've read it since it came out, but it's been a long time since I've read that storyline. So I was like, oh, uh, From Crisis to Crisis is going to cover it. I'll read it. I'll read along. And typically what I do with their podcast is I let them, the episodes build up until they've finished the storyline. Then I can read the storyline, binge the storyline, and then I can binge the podcast. The problem with their show is they put out episodes really infrequently for the last three, four years or so. I mean, they were going weekly um, for a while, but they are, you know, life's gotten in the way or whatever. Maybe they're waning interest in it, but it takes a long time. So I had these issues pulled um, and, and the trade 
uh, pulled for months, months and months. And then finally, they started actually releasing the episodes, and then I had to wait months and months for the actual episodes to come out. And not, nothing wrong with that. And I, I don't. It's fine with me. I don't. I'm not. I have plenty of other podcasts to listen to and things to do, so I wasn't like upset about that. But it did take a while, and so I finally read it, and I hemmed and hawed. I'm like, well, should I release an episode two talking about my thoughts on? Well, first of all, I don't. Even though it sort of feels weird, it's like I don't listen. I don't really um, care if I cover something that another show does. It sort of feels weird, but at the same time, I, I don't know if everybody listening to this listens to them, so it could be new content, although I'm pointing you to them. They were the inspiration to record this. But, oh well. I've heard other podcasters in the past say, you know, I'm, I didn't record XY episode because this other podcast did it. Well... The, your listeners are listening to your podcast. They might not listen to that other podcast. So, and they also, they also, your listeners want to hear your thoughts. So, I made the executive decision, which I've done. It's, uh, and I will continue to do when I read stuff that's relevant and that, that I actually want to talk about in the moment. Because I also thought, well, should I wait? And should I, I mean, they've been done with um, the Child of Superman for um, about a month now or so, but. I thought, well, should I wait and just make it so it's not released so close to them? I mean, on one hand, it's kind of arrogant, isn't it? Thinking that they're even going to get upset. First of all, I don't know them individually. I've emailed a couple times, just comments about their their shows and whatnot. But I don't know them individually. They don't know me. Like, if they get upset because I release this, well, big deal. And it's sort of a, a homage and, uh, you know, I'm doing it because they did it. I, it. I'm not going to worry about covering something that an, an, another show did. If, I mean, if we were on the same network, maybe. I'm not even on a network. But if we were on the same network, maybe you think about those types of things. But I'm not going to. So, <laughs> let's talk about Let's dive into it. Trial of Superman, 1997. It, it spanned 12 issues in the trade paperback. And that's what I read for the... That's what I reread for the lead-in. Or, that's, that's what I reread for this read. Plus, I read the lead-in issue with Parasite. So I am going to read the back of the trade paperback for the plot synopsis. Put on trial by a fearsome alien tri tribunal, Superman is forced to take the blame for the actions of one of his ancestors, actions that led to the deaths of the entire population of Superman's home world of Krypton. To avoid the punishment for his alleged crimes and to clear his good name, Superman becomes a fugitive in a faraway galaxy, facing old foes and new challenges as dire as the death sentence the tribunal has given him. So there's the plot synopsis. I bought most of these issues when they came out back in 1997. I missed some of them just because I was buying off the rack then and I was a kid with limited money, so I, I didn't get every single issue. But I've since gotten all the issues. And I got the trade. I don't remember actually buying the trade paperback, but I got it not too long after the uh, after it was released, uh, the trade paperback. The cover is a more strip... The cover of the trade paperback is sort of a stripped-down, more um, concise version of of Superman 106. And it works really well. I think it conveys the idea. If you were to see this on the shelf, I think you'd be intrigued enough to 
pick it up and take a look and see what this is all about. I think it's a really, a really uh, a snazzy looking cover of this trade paper bag. I think it's, I think it looks great. I thoroughly enjoyed this reread. It's it's still well within the era of Superman that I truly adore. The uh, th- this is still we we've we've had some creative team changes, but in general, it's still the Death of Superman era teams and mentality to the and um, approach to writing. Although they are trying to capture their capture that Death and the Superman lightning in a bottle that they got with. Um, that they also tried with Death of Clark Kent. And, you know, it's funny because they try to do, like, the death of Superman, the death of Clark Kent, the trial of Superman. They, they were trying these. They kept coming out with these these series that had even, like, the same similar structure to the way the title, set, the way the title is framed. And, for, I mean, it worked. I, they got me hook, line, and sinker when I was a kid. Uh, the death of the death of Clark Kent. Yes, I'm there. Of course, I'm there. Trial of Superman. Yes, yeah, sign me up. I need to find out what happens here. So Jurgens Jurgens is Dan Jurgens is off of art duties during during this time period, but he's still doing he's still doing writing, and Ron Friends does a really good job of filling in. Not even he's, he isn't filling in. He's the actual artist. I'm just saying filling in because D- Jurgens is off the title. But Ron Friends does a great job of capturing that Jurgens that that Jurgens feel on the Superman title itself. Uh it is a slightly different style, but you could have fooled me that it was it it, it is very Jurgens-esque. I mean, it's not perfect. It's sort of it's sort of a it's sort of a uh, combination actually now that I'm thinking about it uh, between Jurgens, Dan Jurgens and Tom Grummet. It actually like almost fits like perfectly now that I'm now that I'm now that I'm thinking about that. What's funny is while reading this and I well mostly learned about this from from Crisis to Crisis, but that Steel number 22 that was coming around coming out around the same time Steel, t- well, ex- exactly at this time, Steel number 22 is part of this storyline, and it's not in the trade. I wasn't reading the Steel title. I read issue one, but Steel number 22 is a direct tie-in to this title. Now, it, it does nothing major happens to it, so you can completely cut it out, and you don't miss anything in the ongoing narrative. It's sort of a bottle episode. It's a bottle comic version. You know, if you're familiar with the concept of a bottle episode in television, sort of a bottle episode or a bottle issue and so but I think they should have included steel number 22 now that I've now that I've read that and it's during a part of the storyline where this in this story Superman is um, put on trial and he he eventually escapes but his the Superman uh, rescue squad you could call them uh, steel superboy supergirl the eradicator uh, this character Alpha Centurion, who was introduced and was playing a role in the Superman comics at this time, they leave to go rescue Superman. And at this point in the story, they've been captured and they're on, they're prisoners on this planet. Um, and so it's sort of funny that they've been captured. But the, the entire issue takes place while they're captured, and you can completely cut it out. But I gotta track this issue down on eBay now. I gotta add this to my collection now that I've uh, read it. And 
the storyline works really well and it starts off with the there was a lead-in issue of action comics i believe that where there's a parasite it's a it's a cool issue where the parasite has the body or he has the mind of rudy jones but he also has um a uh a very smart african-american scientist within him as well and you sort of have that firestorm uh duality going in there between uh dueling dueling and and uh interacting in the mind um uh individuals in the same body in the way that you have professor stein and ronnie for firestorm so it has a lead-in parasite issue and then we get right into to the trial of superman he's he gets taken away from Earth during this parasite fight, and he's very weakened, and he gets repowered. Um, but it works super well, I think. And it really... The, the the crossover really kicks into gear. The parasite issue is a lead-in. But Man of Steel number 50 is has this... I think is an awesome, awesome cover of Superman in chains and sort of screaming out in agony sort of over the situation i don't know if he's in pain but it's a it's a fantastic cover i think they they, they criticize it on, on from crisis to crisis a little bit but i think it's a fantastic cover and it's it's just it's just a cool concept i think this this storyline that superman is charged with the destruction of krypton sins of the father and somebody has to pay for it. Sins of your sins of your elders, and you can't escape that. It has a sort of sort of a, a like I I relate it. You know, you can think about it like Bane, Bane from the Batman titles. He's he's forced to to be in this prison due to the sins of his father. Well, Superman is here, and he's put on trial, and due to the the sins of his the sins of his elders. And it's kind of cool. Like I think we all, as readers, we find it ridiculous. But the tribunal are these really. I think they're a cool design. They're these sort of big blue, blue aliens um, in these white robes. And towards the end, one of them grows rogue and is power hungry and and uh, thinks and thinks that only his way is the right way. You know, sounds familiar. Um, and. We also get the cyborg who plays a big part of this, and more even than the death of Clark Kent, this storyline, because of all the individuals playing a role in it, um, from the death of Superman, Supergirl, Steel, Eradicator, Superboy, this really feels like a spiritual sequel to the death of Superman. Not so much in content, obviously, but... Just because it's characters in the way that you'll get a, a movie sequel that has nothing to do with the original except just the characters are in it. Um, it's a whole new adventure. Indiana Jones, it's a whole new adventure, just but the same characters are in it. Um, and so it's it feels of that same world. And this really feels feels of that same world, even though Death of Superman felt of the world because it was still set in the same continuity. If you were reading the comics, you know the characters and everything. But this storyline could be... You could have a non... Somebody who doesn't know this title, know the characters, but if they read Death of Superman storyline... And when I say Death of Superman, I'm including everything. 
there were t- um, the child or the child, the funeral for a friend, Raiden and Superman, all all of that, the trilogy. If you get a non-comic or a, a somebody who's maybe only read that storyline, and then give them this, they're not going to be super lost. They might not know who the Alpha Centurion is, but I think in general they're not going to be super lost. There's going to be characters that they know, and it's going to feel right at home to them. Just another Superman adventure with these characters that were introduced in the previous storyline, and they're continuing here. So I think it works really well from from that aspect. What's funny is I wanted to mention the toys that Superboy in one part of the story rides is riding like a, a space bike, like a um. That, that's actually the best description of it is is it's a space bike, uh, space motorcycle. And I had completely forgotten until I was reading this that the Kenner toy line, they made toys of this space bike that's in that's in the storyline. And how random is that that they made toys from it has like a one off appearance in this issue in this um, issue during the storyline. And they actually made a toy and Kenner had a really cool toy line for Superman around this time period. And I had the Superboy with the space bike. That I actually lost them in my yard when I was a kid. I don't know. I, I remember losing the Superboy. I don't think I lost the space bike, but I lost the Superboy. And I have very vivid memories of realizing the toy was missing and going on a crazy search, like through my. Because I'm a little OCD in knowing where my things are. I might be a messy person at times, especially when I was a kid. I'd, but, I, but I always wanted to know. What, after I've cleaned my room, every you know these toys are in this drawer. I like to know where things were, and so, you know, it was probably during one of these cleanups that I realized I re- I remember realizing that this, the Superboy toy was missing. And where's it gonna go? As a, and I went and looked in my yard. I couldn't find it anywhere, and I never found it. I don't know what happened to it. Uh, don't don't have a clue. But I I have really fun memories of playing with the Superboy toy and the space. The space bike that came with it. I had the Doomsday toy, which I have vague recollections that my dog sort of chewed up because I have memories, these spotty memories of seeing the uh, the like bony protrusions chewed up by a dog. I also had the Superman that comes with that was in the Hunter Prey pack and the in um, the Doomsday figures, um, and the Superman Hunter Prey uh, outfit and. The Superman uh, and Rampage, and I had Steel. That was, I and I and what's funny is I don't. Well, it's not funny. It's I'm sad about it. But I don't have any of these toys anymore, and I don't remember getting rid of them. I remember losing. I, I was just saying I lost the Superboy toy, but I don't know what happened to any of the other the rest of these toys. I probably just got rid of them as a kid. But I wasn't really one just to get rid of things. I was usually very deliberate in terms of like I don't want this anymore, and I'm not going to want to keep it. Um, for nostalgia purposes or whatever, and so, but I got rid of those at some point because I had none of them going into college or anything when I was cleaning out my, you know, my childhood room. Because that's a whole other thing. When I left for college, I felt like I needed to take everything with me. A lot of people would leave for their freshman year of college, and they still felt like their home was their parents' home, and they were living away from home. For me. I, when, when I left to go to college, I was moving out mentally and physically. Like I was out of, you know, I did come back to live in my home, my childhood home the summer after I graduated uh, or the summer, the summer after freshman year of college. But my parents had been divorced and my father was not actually even living in that house 
but it hadn't sold yet. So I actually lived in the house by myself. And so when I left to go to college, I was sort of, I wasn't leaving temporarily. I was, it really, I felt like I was moving out on my own forever as not for, and by forever, I mean, just like, I am now a person who lives on their own is mentally what I thought. And it was pretty much true during beef. So by the summer, my dad had uh, moved out of the house, but he hadn't sold it yet. But during the year, during the school year, Christmas break and whatnot, I did come home and he was still living there. So even though he was living there, it still didn't feel, I, I felt like I was coming home to visit him. I didn't feel like I was going home. And so the point of that story is I don't know what I would have, why I would have gotten rid of my toys. I was very deliberate as a kid with my toys for the most part. And I think this, this storyline works really well. As I mentioned, it's really cool. They introduced a version of Candor in the story. It makes an appearance in an issue with this character named Telos. And as a kid, I really had no clue about the pre-crisis Superman and pre-crisis. I was learning all of this stuff as it happened in these books. And I didn't think about these books as being post-crisis books or anything. They were just the Superman books that were coming out at the time. They were what I knew, and I pretty much started my collecting with Death Superman. And so this was sort of my introduction to Candor, actually. And it's 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 funny because it's the such not the the version that people think of when they think of Candor is. I seriously doubt anybody thinks of Telos when they think of Candor, for the for the most part. But that was, and it was really cool in this reread, remembering this. And it's sort of fun reading a storyline after it's been years and years and years. And you're like, oh, yeah, I remember this happened. And, oh, yeah, that was cool. And, and you know, sometimes you might be disappointed. It's not as good as you were thinking. Or, oh, this is actually really holding up. And I think this storyline really held up for me. It's definitely something that I'm really happy that I have. And I have, I'm happy that I have the trade paperback. And... It's it's a great. I would love to see the DC do this as one of their DC animated movies. I I think they're moving. Well, that's not true. I was gonna say I think they're moving away from doing adapted storylines anymore because the last Superman story was uh, Su- Superman uh, Man of Tomorrow, which I did my previous episode on. But that's actually not true. They're still doing plenty of adapted stuff. The uh, Batman. Uh, Death in the Family is coming out, I think, uh, later this year or early next year. That's supposed to have the weird, well, the interesting sort of choose-your-own-adventure aspect of it. It probably it's fun because they're probably going to do it kind of like the um, the Colin, which I was too young for, but I learned about after the fact. But the Colin, uh, either you're going to save Robin's life or you're not. I bet the choose-your-own-adventure aspect is going to play a role there where you either choose if Robin lives in the storyline or not. But I really liked the group. Superman gets in, he sort of gets involved with this chain gang that he's part of early on. And you meet these characters and you learn some of their backstories of why they're on, why they're under, um, why they're on trial as well. Uh, some of these group of characters and some are better than others. Some are leg- there legitimately. Some, some aren't, some are, ethical dilemmas that maybe we don't agree with as readers but the the characters in the storyline do the tribunal does uh we have mope superman's uh he befriends this uh sort of meekish 
meekish character mope who can but he can make himself hulking and and brutish the way that maybe a, pu- a puffer fish will make themselves bigger and this character mope and you think for the majority of the storyline you think that he's sort of innocent and it was he's a victim of circumstance towards the right at the end though they throw the wrench in where you learn that he's not so innocent in this and and he's actually is guilty of the crimes that he's commit that the tribunal is saying that he's guilty of and you have other characters like like Leah L E E Y A Leah it's funny cuz sometimes you don't pronounce these characters out loud i mean for the, a lot of times you don't you read these in comic book characters and so it's funny when you're trying to say them out loud but we have Leah and she's there because she her her race she's sort of representing her race and her her race and is the crime of her race is that the young eat the males of the uh, the infants and young eat the eat the adult males and that's their that's their life cycle and that's that's what's normal for them but the tribunal doesn't think that that's ethical or moral and and Lilia is sort of put on trial for and she's representing her race there but that's about it for this storyline I could talk for a lot more about the storyline but it's excellent I think it's great it's got some cool twists and turns. Especially, I, I barely talked about the cyborg, but he ends up playing a, a role for, for the longest time. It's, it's thought that, you know, it seems like Superboy's crazy for thinking that he's involved, the cyborg, and it turns out he is involved. And so that's fun. And especially being a gigantic Death of Superman fan, seeing the cyborg there is really fun. This was still at a period when he was used, and I really enjoyed um, his, his appearances. Pretty much anything after that he did after Superman Red and Blue, when Superman was split, when he had his energy powers and he was split into Red and Blue, the, uh, that's about the period where I think I was starting to get tired of Cyborg Superman, so it wasn't here yet. So I give this an A, I think. Maybe a B plus, maybe, because it, it feels a little dated, but that's really me just trying to hedge my bets, and, and but... My first, my initial impression is give this an A minus. I, I think it's a great story, and if and if in the future or in the past I've used numbers, I you know I give this a ten, and right now I'm saying A minus. It's just whatever scale comes to my brain as I'm recording. I think, I think this, I think Death Death Superman works. Is I think Death Superman's an A minus, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> All right, let's move on to Booster Gold. So the booster gold portion of the show. So for this episode, I'm going to be talking about booster gold number seven and number eight, volume one, number seven and number eight. And I'm taking these plot synopses directly from boosterific.com. So check out that website; they're fantastic. It's the best booster gold blog on the uh, on online for sure. Nothing even comes close. If you're going to listen to any Booster Gold content, listen to this. This is the this is the show to listen to, <laughs> um, if I do say so myself. But I'm still not even as good of a resource as Boosterific. If you want all things Booster Gold, check out Boosterific. Please go there. 
I mean, if you're listening to this show, you're probably geeky enough that you are, are already familiar with Boosterific website. But if you're not, definitely check it out. I got every issue there that Booster Gold's peered in. And I mean, I mean appeared in. Like, if he's in one panel, they have the comic in the database. It's actually when I'm trying to, as I've been trying to, um, um, you know, round out my Booster Gold collection, I'm trying to find the seminal issues, the issues where Booster Gold plays a big role. And it's tough. It was actually like Boosterific's the website to go to, but because they're so comprehensive, I had to. It's tough to like um, find. Oh, because I, I don't want to buy an issue of Booster uh, because Booster Gold is on one panel of a comic. So I'm trying to figure out, you know, looking at because they they do a great job of like you know listing is Booster Gold a featured featured role in the issue, a supporting role, um, and so the, I have to you know figure out like oh when he says he's supporting, he means he's you know, in, in the comics, um, you know, X percentage, I mean, there are no percentages, but I'm just saying like, he's in the comic a lot or he's not in the comic very much. And so Booster is a fantastic resource. And I've mentioned this show before that writing plot synopses is a slog and it's, it makes podcasting less enjoyable. It's, it's, I, it's the part of the, doing the show that I do not enjoy doing, but I do think it's important to give at least a brief synopsis. And I mentioned in the past that I thought about using Boosterific. I think I even mentioned last episode that I thought about using Boosterific, but the plot synopses were only like a sentence or two. And I thought I needed to be a little bit more comprehensive than that. But I looked, I just wasn't clicking on the right part of the, um, the page covering the issue because there's a, there is a full plot synopsis for, um, all the issues and I was I just didn't click that like he has like a brief description a uh, couple sentences and then you know if you want full spoilers click here to get the plot synopsis and so that's what I'm going to be covering here so let's read the plot synopsis for number seven courtesy of Boosterific Booster Gold, Superman, Jason Redfern and Skeets are brought before Lord Galeb on the planet Valar accused of aiding the traitor Ranzi Booster and Superman object to this treatment, but neither is a match for the powers of Lord Galeb's magical consort. Meanwhile, back on Earth, it is business as usual for Gold Star Inc. Trixie Collins fends off the amorous advances of artists working on the Booster Gold comic book. Dirk Davis also has his hands full hiring Dr. Jack Sue to create a super suit for Booster Gold's sidekick and silently managing his personal problems, which appear to include the kidnapping of his daughter, Sarah. Neither is aware that Booster Gold is being held in a prison on an alien world. Booster and Superman soon resume their argument over the dubious validity of Ramsey's story of personal tragedy. When the opportunity presents itself, Booster Gold attacks Lord Galeb, Superman defends Galeb, and a fight between the two heroes ensues. Having enough of, having enough of the conflict, Skeets intervenes. When cooler heads prevail, the humans and Skeets return to Earth. Booster Gold is met by adoring crowds. Superman is met by Lois Lane, who admits an appreciation for Booster Gold's flair, much to Superman's dissatisfaction. So thank you for the plot synopsis, uh, Boosterific. This is, a, this is a really good issue um, in general, I partly because it's a crossover. It's another crossover issue between Superman and Booster Gold. The cover is really cool. We got an awesome cover of, of Superman pulling 
Bushigold's head up after he presumably smashed it into the mud. It's very striking. It would make me pick up the issue if I was if I saw it off the racks. And I guess that's that's the, sort of the standard I've been using when I on, on this show is do I think this that issue would make me you know take a look, pick up the issue off the racks and take a look at it. Uh, and and this cover definitely would. Boucher still has his cape in this issue. I want to call that out. And the uh, star that's not quite that's not filled like the, just the five the five lines like um like like a kid would draw in their notebook. So I'm gonna keep calling that out because um, I'm I'm curious how far into volume one because I can't remember. But how far into volume one the cape goes and how far the the uh, star the unfinished or not unfinished but the uh, very simplistic star in his chest emblem how how long these go for and so we're up to issue seven still there i don't think this issue is as good as the previous one but it's tough to be as good as the previous issue because the previous issue was covering booster's origin and it's gonna be very tough to 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 beat that to be as good and as interesting um as a read as the titular character's origin that's one of the most important issues of all time isn't an origin issue so even though this issue is a direct follow-up from that issue, I, it's not as good, but it's 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 not being fair because to compare an, an origin issue to just a random issue of the series, those those aren't apples to apples, and that's a little bit it's 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 a little fair. It, it's a little unfair. What's funny is it's is it's interesting to wrap your mind around when you learn because if you remember from the previous issue. Z was really small, and I talked about he was discovered by Jason in the forest or in the in the park, and re- really reminding me of you know getting some serious Indian Indian in the covered vibes, because I've been reading those books with my son, and here we find out in this issue that Superman and Booster have been taken to uh, the the alien the alien world, but you don't know it because the art is drawn just like a regular issue or like regular perspective but superman and booster gold they're actually the size of of z now they're you know six inches six inches or whatever tall and it's just funny because you don't actually learn this until about halfway through the issue or so and it makes you reframe what you've been thinking about and reading i mean i, I why it makes you reframe i don't know because you're still just picturing the action but it it, it does make you reframe when you realize these characters are the size of your you know, an open an open hand. It just makes you uh, think about that, and it's funny. The Booster Gold and Superman fight, because of course there is a Booster Gold and Superman fight. If you read this issue, given the cover, and there was no Booster Gold and Superman fight, you'd be a little disappointed. Um, oh, speaking of the fight, or what's the cover too? It is uh, Booster who's getting his butt kicked on the cover, so it is the the titular character who's getting his butt kicked does make you wonder like is that a, a good seller but i'm sure superman on the cover was always a good seller and spoiler alert booster is going to get his you know his comeuppance on the cover um in a future a future crossover issue between these two so we'll be talking about that in the near future relatively speaking but in this issue we have yeah we have booster with his face full of mud on the cover and the fight, the fight towards the last third of the book is a fun one, and it's it's a philosophical, 
I mean, it's a it's an actual fight between Superman and Booster Gold, but they're fighting sort of for different reasons, and it's it's fun to to think about it because there actually is a serious moral dilemma there that Booster and Superman disagree about how to try to help these individuals on this planet, and Superman wants to slow down and think this isn't our culture, this isn't this isn't us. We need we don't we shouldn't be so arrogant as to come in here and know what's right or wrong and booster being less experienced and being a little bit more hot headed and quick to action. He wants, you know, he believes these Z's story hook, line and sinker. And it turns out it's actually not as true as booster thinks. And Z is not as much of a victim as, as booster thinks. And it actually, it turns out Superman's right. Slowing down, letting, letting these cultures, handle their own business and not being and not getting involved is a better way to approach this and it turns out superman's right but i have to say what's funny is i have to say there's plenty of times where i feel like superman does exactly what booster's done here i can't think of any off the top of my head but i feel like it's it's been done before where superman is the one going into somebody in another um race's culture and sort of not dictating but sort of being the moral the moral center and and saying what you're doing here isn't right and so it's just funny seeing superman be the voice of reason here where he says no we have to slow down for a second and 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 think about this like this is a different culture they have different norms they have different things that we, we might not understand versus booster just thinks he knows what's right and he wants to go in and do it and it's a philosophical fight as well as a, as well as a literal fight, and it's it's fun. So that are my thoughts on Booster Gold number seven. It's a it's a good issue. There's been uh, better issues. The the preceding issue number um, six was better, but as I said, you you can't really beat an issue with Superman's origin or with Boost, with the uh, Booster's origin. It's tough. It's tough. It's not it's not apples to apples. But this is a crossover episode or issue, especially for this podcast, Blue and Gold, uh, Superman and Booster Gold podcast. This issue, when those characters interact, it's something special. I mean, lest lest we forget that it's Booster who named who named Doomsday. Never forget. All right, let's move on to Booster Gold number eight. And again, plot synopsis comes courtesy of Boosterific. And I'm going to keep saying that just to make sure that they get the credit. The website gets the credit because the website's awesome. But I'm just going to keep doing it unless I write it, uh, unless I write their synopsis on my own. But I don't see that happening for a while. I just really do find writing synopses to be um, um, a slog, to put it, to not having a better term for it. Just uh, an, a burden that I'm like, ugh, I want to talk about this. I want to sit on the show and talk about it. But, I mean, there, you need to be you need to be prepared and you i feel like it is good to get your audience sort of up to speed with what you're going to be talking about so per boosterific let's dive into the the plot synopsis for number 8 discovering an unknown time machine in the 30th century brainiac 5 of the legion of superheroes vows to travel into the past to search out how one michael carter is 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 involved with the time machine. Michael John Carter crash lands on a stolen in a stolen time machine outside of Metropolis in 1985. Gathering his other ill-gotten gains, 
including Skeets, he travels into the city. Booster rents a hotel room with a stolen credit card and gets started creating his superhero or his superheroic persona. Elsewhere, the director of the thousand puts his plan into motion to replace the president of the United States with an imposter. This plan is to be executed by a clay-faced mercenary named Chiller. Simultaneously, Brainiac 5, Chameleon Boy, and Ultra Boy arrive outside of Metropolis and suspect that Booster will be involved with an assassination attempt on the president. The next day, Booster Gold... The, ne- the next day, Booster Gold's planned debut is interrupted by the Legionnaires. As Booster and the Legionnaires battle in the skies over Metropolis, Chiller impersonates a Secret Service agent and successfully abducts President Ronald Reagan and Vice President George Bush. Dun dun dun. So this is this is an okay issue. One, I think there's a big aspect of this book that I think is awesome and makes it a must-have, must-read for Booster Gold fans. And another um, another aspect of this issue makes me go, eh. So, I'm let's start with the eh first. I'm not the biggest Legion of Superhero fan. Legion of Superheroes fan. For the longest time, I mean, for the first decade or so or more of my reading career. I didn't know who they were at all because during the 90s, I would say, um, the Legion wasn't really, they, they, they weren't a, uh, a marquee DC group, I don't think. This was sort of when they, I was less, this was when they had the like Legion with, uh, with you know, L-E-I-G-I-O-N. With the uh, dots in between, and I think it's an acronym. I'm not entirely sure. I can't remember. But this just wasn't a high point. Maybe maybe Legion fans would say I'm wrong, but it doesn't appear that this was a high point for for um, for the Legion of Superheroes. And I and, and and I think the Legion title that I was just re- referencing is more of a '90s title, and we're still within the '80s here with what's going on. But this wasn't this. This was post-crisis. We had the Legion completely out of Superman's um, origin. And they just weren't a team. And I mean, I, I read this years after the fact. So what I'm getting to is the Legion is not a, a aspect of DC Comics that I'm a huge fan of. Now, I've read some that, I'm really, that I really enjoy. The Jeff Johns Legion of uh, Three Worlds from Final, Cri- Final Crisis Legion of Three Worlds. That's excellent, I think. And it's a great follow-up to his storyline, the Legion of Superhero storyline that he wrote with Gary Frank on his Action Comics run, which preceded the Final Crisis Legion of Three Worlds storyline. Like, Legion of Three Worlds was definitely a sequel uh, to to the, uh, the Superman story. And I read those and enjoy them. But in general, I'm not the biggest Legion of Superheroes fan. And so... They're on the cover. Like this cover, has Booster fighting, fighting the the three members of the Legion of, of Superheroes: that, uh, Brainiac Five, Chameleon Boy, and Ultra Boy. And I'm I'm such a not a fan of the Legion that I, I don't even know what Ultra Boy's powers are. I know Brainiac Five is super smart and and whatnot. And Chameleon Boy can you see in the story he can he can make his you know he can become he can change the way he looks and look like somebody else. Very much like the the villain of the story, Chiller, who can do the same thing and impersonate another person. I, I think Chameleon Boy can just make himself look like, not impersonate, but just look like whatever he wants, I think. 
I mean, not whatever, like a like a you know an inanimate object. But I think anybody who wants to, he he wants to look like it doesn't have to be a person. I I get the impression that Chiller only impersonates, whereas Chameleon Boy could be look like a human being, but a human being who's never existed before is the impression that I get. If I'm if if you want to write in and school me on some Legion knowledge, please go ahead. Shout out to Trentus Magnus. Uh, he always takes a sip from his whatever he's drinking. So I am. I just took a sip of my Shock Top Belgian White beer that I'm drinking while I while I record here. So the other aspect of this title or of, the, of this issue that I think is awesome is the backstory that we get with Booster arriving on Earth. Like we see. The moments after when when Booster arrives, not on Earth, but um, from the future. Well, he is on Earth, but he was already he he left Earth and he never left Earth is what I'm trying to say. He just time traveled. But when we see him arriving in present day 1985, and this really feels like a follow up to what we see in Booster Gold number six. And here we are in issue number eight, and we get what happens when Booster time travels to the past and how he becomes a superhero. And we're right in the middle of the storyline where, spoiler alert, in the next issue, he's going to save the president. And it's very, it's a pretty important moment in, in Michael's life. And it's really a fun thing to see here is, is we saw his origin in the future in number six, but here we get his origin but once he arrived in the past and it's tied in with the legion and i'm not a huge fan but you get to see the legion flight ring here because we knew booster had a flight ring and we didn't know the backstory behind that so we're starting to get that backstory uh here and by the time this uh, the next issue i believe we have the full story and so we understand why the flight or why the legion flight ring was in the future but it wasn't from a thousand years in the future like the legion of superheroes it was only 500 meaning that the uh flight ring was in the past when it and so even the legion is confused on why there's a flight ring in the future of 1985 but in the past for them and um sort of this interesting adventure there i think the villain of the piece it's this chiller he's a cool villain and I won't talk about it until the next episode, or actually the next time I talk about this series, because actually the next episode is not going to be returning to this series, uh, Volume 1. I'm going to take a break for a little bit, a detour, as we say. And But when I return, I'll, when we return to this, I'll be talking that the next issue's cover, issue number 9, has a really awesome cover with Chiller, but he's in this issue. He's a cool-looking villain. He's got this red uh, and he suit and looks like an alien and I don't know his I don't know his deal I don't know if this is his first appearance or if he's been in other titles this is the only thing that I'm familiar with him from. Another note is I wish they would remove the editor's note that is a random ed- editor's note that is referencing what's going on with the uh, future and apparently in some point in the future the world gets destroyed and then rebuilt and to see more about this read hex the ongoing title that's happening at the time well 
I'm reading this and I mean, I'm not reading the individual issue of in the individual issue of course, any editor's notes and things are going to be there, but I'm reading this in the booster gold, the big fall trade trade paperback or not paperback, the, the hardcover that came out. That's how I'm reading it. And this is decades later. So why couldn't we just remove the footnote and have the original art underneath that would fill that space and remove the footnote for this random series that I'm not reading, I'm reading the a reader of this hardcover is reading the hardcover. Like, should we be sending them out to something that's not even relevant? I mean, if if they if the editor's note was something pertaining to uh, Booster Gold, uh, even the Legion, because the Legion's in this story, but this is an editor's note just referencing another comic, a random comic, which at the time in 1985 or in '86. You want to sell your other titles that are happening, but this is decades later, so I wish we would have gotten that editor's note out of there. But I'm making it sound like I care more than I do. It's just this little editor's note in the pot in the bottom of one panel, <laughs> so it's actually not it's not that big of a deal. But I it, it did make me think about it. We learn in this issue that the thousand director is Senator Ballard. I think we learned we did, I don't. Unless I'm forgetting, I don't. I mean, it's only been a, a few weeks since I read the previous issue, but I don't think we knew that Senator Ballard was actually the director who we've seen before in his pretty cool costume, kick-ass, I'd even say costume. I think this is the first time we're seeing that set the knowledge, getting the knowledge that Senator Ballard is the director of the Thousand. And that's a that's a cool a cool reveal. And. At the beginning of this issue, they talk about Rip Hunter and it's Rip Hunter's time sphere, and it's just I just can't read Booster Gold comics without with without the volume two knowledge of Rip being Booster's son. Now, I I do wonder, and this is probably in an interview somewhere if I tracked it down online, but who came up with the idea of Rip Hunter being Booster's son? Was it Dan Jurgens? And if it was, then you can sort of apply that thinking. Maybe he was thinking that even back then when he was writing Volume 1. Or was it Jeff Johns who thought, who came up with that? And it's more than likely Jeff Johns, meaning that they had no idea when they were writing this. Or Dan Jurgen didn't even have an inkling that Rip Hunter had more of a, had more of a role in Booster's family than... And he would have thought, but I just can't read anything involving Booster that references Rip Hunter without thinking about that f- f- familiar, familiar, the family. <laughs> that word is a little tough to say. Um, the f- um, the family connection. It's fun to have the Legion here, and even though I'm not a fan, as I mentioned, it is. It is fun to sort of have this mystery of like, why is this flight ring at this point in time when it shouldn't be? And so there is that, like, like that did hook me in, um, and sort of make me not care that I don't really like the Legion that I was really interested in the booster side of it. No cape in this issue. So I don't know if it was just left out. Because it wasn't in every scene. I mean, Booster often didn't have it in the previous issues, but sometimes he did. But in this, this was a no cape issue. So we'll see. We'll keep note and see if there's any more capes or was this the last appearance? I don't know. My feet, my, my, my gut tells me it was not the last appearance of the cape. We shall see. 
the splash page, there's a splash page in this issue with Booster flying after making his costume because we see him actually making his costume um, with, with Skeets. There's a flash page, and it's freaking awesome. And everybody knows it's awesome. I mean, it's it's one of the opening pages of the uh, hardcover, the 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 big fall hardcover. They know it's a money shot of Booster, and it, it looks awesome. He's flying. It's it's really really cool splash page, and the the following page so that's on the left page, on the right page right after that is Booster testing out all of his powers. And his abilities with his suit. That's also a really cool page. Like that's just a uh, awesome doubles page spread. I would like to see uh, Alex Ross do that in sort of his 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 uh, two page origins that he would do in the uh, treasury sized works that he did, where he did a lot of the origins for the Justice League members. And I've lamented, and I think I've said in this podcast before that it, it bugs me that. Booster is one of the DC heroes that Alex Ross, to my knowledge, has never drawn. He's never drawn Booster Gold. And this would be a uh, sort of a cool page. I, I can picture it in that style, in Alex Ross's two-page style, the origin. The, the Superman one is really, really kick-ass really kick um, by Alex Ross. All in all, it's a, it's a, it's a decent issue. And, of course, we have a classic mix-up, the old bumbling sitcom-style mix-up, where just as Booster is going to stop Chiller, because, don't forget, Chiller had the plot to impersonate impersonate the president, and in in true sitcom fashion, right as he's going to stop Chiller from uh, his, his plot, against the against the president the legion the legionnaires show up and put the kibosh on the whole thing the legion thinks it's booster gold who's going to harm the president and they stop and they stop booster gold while chiller does actually abduct the president and then we get a uh, dun 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 to be continued you know follow what follow up next issue let's see what happens this issue cliffhanger ending on with chiller driving away with ronald reagan but it was a decent issue, filling out more of Booster's origin. We get to see the suit made and testing of powers, which is really cool, as well as arriving in the 20th century. And even though I'm not a huge Legion fan, this is actually an essential issue in the history of Booster Gold. And that's the fact that we get Booster Gold's more of his origin, and the splash page alone is worth this issue, I think, that splash page of booster flying in the air it's that is awesome and and they know it because they you know i say they when i say they they i mean dc dc knows it because they put it right on the first couple of pages and sort of the title pages of the uh the hardcover so that is booster gold number seven and eight so we'll see where the story goes because I'm reading all right along. I don't remember where everything where everything goes. It's been a while since I've, you know, as I say, I think I say every episode that I don't remember exactly where this is going. Uh, haven't read volume one in a while, so we'll see. I know the next uh, issue's cover, number nine's cover, is really cool. So with that, I hope everybody has a great um, start to the fall, 
and the year is not going too badly, and every, every, everybody stay safe, and I will s talk to you next time. Bye.